This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Buddy, how's it going? That was a fun one, hey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. A little yeah. bit of a change of pace with me kind of driving the, the bus there. But yeah, Bree, she's an absolute riot. Just such a good time chatting with her every time we get a, get a chance. Yeah, she does such a great job for our community, you know, sharing that mm. message, um, you know, wilderness to table and, and everything that she does there and, and her messaging. And uh, yeah, it, it's a very cool very cool brand very cool she's done a great job with that crossover getting in front of uh you know the non-hunters too with her yeah. with her messaging right and uh so it's it's great to see people doing a great job you know really in line with the one campfire um mm-hmm. concept right so um yeah she was she was a riot to talk to and yeah. Yeah. and obviously you got you have a great relationship with her you've been you've been you know working with her for a number a long time now right and you've got to know her very well so pretty cool yeah yeah and that's exactly how i found her was through through the one campfire which we get into a little bit in the, the episode but yeah it was uh i saw a post and recommended and acknowledged it sent a message and bang took off and yeah we're we're, we're good friends now and truly truly appreciative of the time she she took out of her day there's a few hours ahead where she is so it's getting kind of late there and uh yeah, as you said, great ambassador for what we do, and uh, she's got big, big, big things ahead for her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there'll be more of that. We, we, she is not done in the uh, in the hunt hunt world or in the uh, executive chef slash cooking professional chef world either, right? So, not yeah, very cool crossover for sure, and uh, just a nice person too, right? Fantastic to listen to. So, yeah, absolutely, totally, totally was. Yeah. So, okay. Before we get into the episode uh, on the wild sheep front, a uh, couple things to tick off the membership drive. We've talked about that. That's alive and well. Um, great sponsorship there from Kuyu and um, Stevenson Knives, as well as Yeti. Uh, some great prizes to be won. Uh, we just smashed through that 1100 barrier with the members in the Wild Sheep Society of BC. So, a continued growth. And, you know, the big difference there is the more membership we have, the more, more strength we have in numbers. And that's why we put the money we did last year on the ground for wild sheep and and just conservation across the landscape in BC, right? So, oh yeah, results results matter, right? Uh, we 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 show where the money goes. We got the best members in the world. We keep saying it over and over, but every day we see it, right? People are always giving back. They're always always casting us in a good light. Uh, yeah, it's just you can't say enough good things about our membership and how they're getting us to the new heights of the Alpine. Yeah, well said for sure, Steve. Um, so, you know, you've been very busy with the Act Now campaign. 
give me a bit of a wrap up on where that's headed and what uh, what that's doing. We're coming kind of towards the end of that campaign, so give us a give us a thirty second rundown on that. Uh, appreciate everybody's uh, taking the time out of their day to uh, sign the the Act Now campaign. Looking to present mid just before the mid uh, of June. We're going to be presenting down at the legislature. Uh, we're inviting uh, government government members from both sides to show up. Uh, media, we're asking them to show up. We're going to have a couple of representatives physically present a couple of big boxes of our letters. Uh, what are we at for numbers now, Cal? Uh, north of 11,000. Uh, I, I haven't checked the last couple of days here, but uh, last week we were at 11,000-ish. Um, for wild sheep BC, um, of course, there's other. Uh, there's a bunch of letters out at, at uh, fish and game uh, clubs and uh, uh, local your like local stores and stuff like that. I know in Prince George KKK uh, Tactical has letters there. Um, Island Outfitters here in Victoria, but there's a bunch of them all across um, BC where you can sign the letter. So we're going to start collecting those, um, and then of course there's other organizations supporting as well that have some pretty big numbers coming in as well. So got that goal of 25,000. I, I think we're going to be pretty darn close. I think we're going to be north of 20. Um, so yeah, great job all, all around. Yeah. And this is just phase one. Remember we we've got our foot down and this is a, uh, a marathon, not a sprint. It was a sprint to get out of the gates to get up to speed and we are going to be keeping this pressure on. So as we roll out after this presentation, stay tuned for what we we need you guys to do to engage as well right on steve yeah i appreciate all the hard work you've been putting in and all the effort uh, all our volunteers have been doing through our government engagement committee on on behalf of uh you know getting our voice heard at that um government level or you know it's really important that the government knows how we feel about uh you know what we can and can't do out there in the landscape it's pretty important so that's right we're only as loud as our own voice right well said for sure so episode 31 Bree Van Scotter, Wilderness to Table, super awesome episode. Um, love the work you did with um, hosting it. Fun chat with Bree. Um, yeah, enjoy. If you looked up the words conservation superhero in the dictionary, you would see a picture of our friend Omer from Precision Optics, a tireless donor and supporter of all things wild sheep. Precision Optics, located in Quinell, British Columbia, truly stands alone in the high alpine. From optics to rifles to outdoor gear and a knowledge that cannot be surpassed, toss in that killer smile and you have a total conservation package. Precision Optics, we are truly thankful for the support you show us every step of the way. Find them online at precisionoptics.net or in Aroma Foods, located just off Highway 97 in Quinell, BC. How you doing? Great. How are you, Steve? I'm good, Bree. Kyle, how are you? Pretty good. We got Bree on here. This is a pretty big day for me. Get uh, get you on the show, and uh, you know, Steve. Steve's always taunting me, talking about, "Oh, Bree, this, Bree, that," and of course, we're following you through Wilderness to Table and everything. So, yeah, just to get and sit and chat with you is fantastic, Bree. So, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's a good time. I, I know a bit about you, uh, as, as Kyle said, wilderness to table. So for our listeners, who are you? Tell us a bit about you. Uh, I am Bree Van Scotter. I am creator of Wilderness to Table. I'm a professional chef by trade who turned into a hunter to source truly organic protein. That's originally how everything started. And Long story short, I started Wilderness to Table, which was a blog site, because I felt when I first got my first deer, 
I felt like there was a lack of wild game recipes. I guess I know how to make a grill a backstrap and I can make a dang, oopsie, Ireland's cast. I can make a popper. <laughs> um, but there we have, I have all this beautiful meat and the bones and everything. And I wanted to highlight like what a chef would do at home because I'm used to working in like Michelin starred restaurants. And so I thought I would kind of make it more approachable. And then it just snowballed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what got my attention on uh, Instagram was about a year and a half ago. I saw a post recommended and I'm like, wow, this is a pretty cool connection and it, and it fit in well with one campfire. And I remember you've been stuck with me ever since <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> reacting to a post and I saw you had like 75,000 followers or something and you responded and I went, holy crap. Yeah, I lost that, them that, because of politics. Yeah, we, we <laughs> yeah, I remember sending you a message and we, we got chatting about how you'd been to Prince George and how you missed mm -hmm. Tim Hortons. And I, I, happened to be, I happened to be staring at a Tim Hortons and sent you a picture to let you know that I was telling the truth about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. you sent me multiple of those, actually. Oh, it, it, that that was a funny, funny day. Like, what are the chances of anywhere know, in the right? world that was, you you? The Oreo here? on the other day was funny. Oh, the uh, the ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, I was at Costco I was like, yesterday. Tell me you bought. The I thought so. I was like, I don't even <laughs> Costco. I think those are Costco. <laughs> you know, yeah, they had like frozen ice cream sandwiches, sixteen in a box. And, and you said. And you said, I hope you bought a box. And I said, no, I bought two. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, how long has Wilderness to Table been a thing for you? Like, just. Oh, um, you know, everybody thinks that everything just happens in a year or two. But actually, this this little thing that could has been starting probably started probably eight years ago. Wow. Almost eight years. Yeah. Maybe September, eight years. Wow. And, and how long did it take you to, I guess, for lack of a better term, get your break? Um, well, what would you describe, like, describe as my break? Would it be like the first magazine I wrote for or like, yeah, like, like what, what, what really got you the attention, right? Because you said it started as a blog is more of a hobby to get uh, awareness out there. And yeah, know, like I said, you got 75,000 followers, TV I mean, show, a couple of books. I <laughs> <laughs> off writing for um, Ballistic Magazine. I got introduced to an editor of all places at SHOT Show and... I just started writing wild game recipes for them uh, on a column called Wild Kitchen. And then that's like where my producer saw me because we were doing little videos to correspond online to go with the magazine article. And, and then it's just been building and then I've been working my ass off though. Like oh, once definitely. I realized it could be, it was a thing. Um, I didn't want to do restaurant life anymore because <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it's tough. And it's hard when you have a family and life. Oh, I so. can imagine. I can imagine. Just so you're in Georgia. Uh, mm -hmm. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Riverside, California. California. So did yeah. you, grow up, you grew up in an outdoor family? Like, how did you get into hunting? Um, I no. So okay, outdoor family, yes. Hunting, no. My mom was like anti-hunter, like. Oh my God, hunters are evil, big animal, you know, save the animals, that type of person. So I am definitely the black sheep. <laughs> um, my dad, though, I always raised outdoors, horseback riding as a kid. Uh, my dad was a professional 
motorcycle racer for Honda for like years. And then he turned into a professional saltwater bass angler. So I grew up doing anything and everything outdoors with him, fishing, motorcycle riding, the whole thing. So I, my love probably for food started when fishing with my dad and stuff because we would go go on fish but then I had to go do it the hard way as soon as I figured out spear fishing and I was like what do you mean I could be in the water why do I want to stay on the boat and he's like I just don't understand why you can't make it easier wow yeah I've seen some of your your posts about spear fishing and you clearly have an affiliation and a love for it I imagine COVID I do I think I'm secretly a mermaid I think I was just born that way (laughs) um I just have been yeah I just love it and used to do lots of lobster like lobster diving spear fishing I mean in California it's really really beautiful especially if like you're mm-hmm. off the coast of Catalina and the kelp patties I mean it's, it's just amazing so, so probably like where the hunting bug started right even though my parents didn't like it I was like what is the difference like my dad's like I catch and release <laughs> but you eat fish tacos so. <laughs> if you're a terrible shot you're catching and releasing as well so yeah, how, are mo- exactly. how are mom and dad with you hunting now and uh, essentially making a living from it? Uh, they totally accept it. Um, my mom probably doesn't, she, I don't think she will, I know, she doesn't usually want to like see all the pictures <laughs> necessarily, but when she comes into my home, they're right. all there on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> so she um, understands why I do it. I don't like, the, I don't so-called trophy hunt, you know, like right. I'm not going to go kill anything that I wouldn't eat unless it's like a predator like you're doing predator control other than that i really won't kill anything if I, I i can't eat it that's that's pretty awesome so i i remember you and i were chatting was it a few months ago and there was an article that came out in the chicago tribune i think it was mm-hmm. and it said your husband <laughs> got you into hunting and i, I married into it married into it i, I know yeah. that it's a, a touchy subject for you so set the record straight um journalism failed go figure um i did not marry into hunting my husband was not a hunter at all whatsoever he still does not hunt i think he's been out hunting one time and that's it um he did not teach me the ropes i learned it all on my own and ever since i've been like a big like activist for getting women in the outdoors because it's very empowering and i've had so many occasions where i drive a truck and I took my truck to go get an oil change for the first time. And the guy goes, would you like to call your husband to see what kind of oil he wants in the truck? I was like, what? I'm like, no. <laughs> and then, you know, when you buy a gun by yourself, um, I think there's a, still a stigma of women doing it. Like when you buy shotgun shells, like are you getting the right ones, ma'am? Is that the ones like your husband wants? And it's, it's really quite um, interesting to always have to have a male in your life in order to do be in a male dominated industry. I don't know. So anyways, uh, the, the reporter was wrong. I didn't marry into hunting, got into it all by myself. (laughs) Yeah. For, for our listeners, uh, you, you can't really, I I couldn't have shown us, I suppose, put in the, some screen captures of the the texts I got about (laughs) that article (laughs) and how it made you go. So I wanted to give you a chance to kind of air it out to a, That and there was another set of text messages I I sent you about somebody called me something, and I was like, "Steve, did you think of me when you read my book?" Right, right. The uh, yeah, 
<laughs> the, the was it 420? Yeah, I got yeah. called a pothead <laughs> because my cookbooks were so creative, and yeah. the only way I could have done that was if I was high, high and hungry. And that was probably the worst insult I've ever had. Up there with like my husband, I married into hunting. Those were the two worst comments I've ever gotten. I've never even done drugs. So mm-hmm. what I was just floored. I'm like, is this what, Steve? I'm like, is this what people think of me? Oh, and horrible. of course, of course, I have to poke fun every so often back and forth. Were you I high when know. you wrote that recipe? This one here is giving me the Were you munchies. high when you posted that brace? <laughs> <laughs> oh, some some of the high uh, on life. Some of the Insta stories. Well, you might might have had a few. Uh, margaritas <laughs> wine. wine wine yeah well what about when you're down in florida those look Which like margaritas. Yeah, the, the oh that was margaritas oh yeah that was yeah. margaritas yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> a lot of inside jokes going on here that people are going what the hell are they yeah, talking yeah. about you know every once in a while a good cocktail but i don't get high off of drugs but i no. did not even have any cocktails to write my cookbook it's more of post cookbook celebration <laughs> <laughs> while you're cooking the recipes in it yeah exactly <laughs> so what made you make the jump to be a chef growing up in california just w- w- that doesn't really seem like something that you, you tend to think of for there um i so i remember the day i wanted to be uh wanted to go to culinary school i was about to graduate high school and i remember like the freeway on ramp that we were even on I said, Dad, can I go to culinary school? And he said, No, you need to go. You need to go to college, and you need to get a real degree. So <laughs> I went to college. I got two real degrees. I got two bachelors. Graduated. Went to. Um, I studied in communications, and I got a job in public relations, and sat in a cubicle all day. And it was really fascinating because here you are in public relations, and you're supposed to be creative and think of new marketing ideas and all this. And they sit you in a cubicle, and you're like by yourself. And I'm like, How is this like? And I hated it. Like every day I hated it. And then I got a part-time job at a restaurant as a hostess at night just for fun. And then a month later, I ended up in the pastry department. And I was just like, this is what I need to be doing. And so then I went and transitioned and went to culinary school. And I quickly figured out why my dad didn't want me to go to culinary school because (laughs) he didn't want to pay for it. (laughs) because it was not cheap still paying for it (laughs) oh i can bet i I know when i was in my early 20s the same sort of thing i was in law enforcement i'm like i don't want to do this anymore and i went and i looked at culinary school down in vancouver and it was you want how much money and that's only four months uh, oh four months oh yeah oh yeah two years yeah but it was four months like uh, they were breaking it up into semesters so oh, four okay. months, they give, one was a pastry, one was a oh, saucier, gotcha, gotcha. one was you were in the restaurant, and that was one year. And then they wanted you to double it. It was just ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah pastry chef, I, I've seen some of your, your pictures. And Well, I, I, went to, I went to culinary school twice because yes. that's how I do things. I go balls to the wall. So I graduated first with my degree in um, culinary arts. Because usually a chef will only run kitchens as either an executive chef or an executive pastry chef or whatever. Right. So, and then I really love cake, like really, really love cake. And that's mm-hmm. probably what ultimately my first cookbook I ever bought in high school was all about cake. And that's how it started. So then I was like, I'm going to go back and went back to culinary school, paid it all again and did baking and pastries. And I've ran kitchens as both. Yeah, I 
I've seen some of your pictures and some of your posts and I, I'll, I'll message you and go, how well do you think that would ship in the mail? And, yeah, I, Beautifully. The, <laughs> It'll yeah. be avant-garde by the time I reaches you. It, absolutely, it will. I, I think it'll be well, well worth it, though. So, <laughs> growing up in California, you moved to Georgia. You started as a chef. You created a blog, mm-hmm. and you started moving along. Natural progression from that is you ended up on TV. How mm. did that happen? Like, did, you, you see people. That you, you see YouTube videos and like and subscribe and all that fun stuff. How did that break happen for you? Um, my producer found me from the magazine that I was writing for, for Ballistic Magazine. He had contacted my editor because he was the one editing the videos that I would make to correspond with my article. And he contacted my editor and asked if he could reach out to me. And my editor asked me and I said, sure. And then I think it was four months later we were filming oh wow so yeah. was was the, sh- the show uh a joint production so to speak where you pitched ideas to them for did they come to you with the idea for the whole series and you're just uh bring bring the cool recipes and make things look good type thing i don't know no, so my my producer actually he was really awesome he he did his research on me and found my website and he kind of he was like hey i want to do wilderness table i wanted to call i want to call it wilderness to table i want to exactly what my mission was he wanted to highlight that so we really didn't have to discuss anything like different or what we would do different it's more more as i mean we got we had to cut a lot of stuff because we actually were going to scripts who owns like food network and everything they kind of had asked for first rights to it so everything was edited that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you see it on Amazon right now, it's very edited. There's not, there's really no hunting um, in it because you really don't like that. Um, <laughs> and then we, needless to say, the New Yorkers weren't happy with the wild game aspect, which I'm just curious on where they think their food comes from. But so we ended up not going with Food Network, but it's probably a blessing because their contracts are like intense. And then <laughs> we went to Amazon. <laughs> yes, yes. So speaking of Food Network, you totally brought my my uh, attention to that. There, there was another when I was on there. The, the, the show you were just on that you went on a complete oh, rant. You said you got to watch Instagram. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they cut every like for anybody. Who watches these shows and think that oh it's totally reality and it's not <laughs> planned at all is bull I yep. yeah baloney yep mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not everything is not as as it seems and they cut a lot out of my interviews and I was right I was right yeah, and the guy did, tried to say that I was wrong and it was yeah the judge right. the judging panel was they said that this isn't a traditional was a Cuban dish? Caribbean. Some Caribbean. Caribbean dish. Yeah, and I cooked a picadillo. And I had frozen chicken enchiladas as my protein. I scraped the chicken out of those enchiladas to use as my protein. And don't you think that's funny that the wild game chef gets yeah. frozen chicken enchiladas? Oh, yeah. I, I remember Nothing that. happens by... I mean, it just that's just yeah, you were, random. You, you got to watch this and... Just seeing you go at that, yeah, you're wrong. And then, no, you are. And, and then, then I backed you, it up. You <laughs> backed it up and it showed, 
with some great screenshots that no that judge was in fact wrong i thought that was awesome like yeah no, and then the yeah. funny thing is it's like you obviously don't travel i was like oh, <laughs> oh my god like why don't you just insult me more oh, that, that, <laughs> that was gold that was gold so yeah what's been your favorite part about the move into tv Oh, um, I never expected this. I never, it was never something that I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I want to do. I wanted to be on TV. Um, the, the best part is like when you really get people who really like enjoy your recipes from like, that just makes me so happy because food can touch you on a whole other level. Like you, I can remember what I ate in Paris, you know, on my fifth trip, but I can't tell you what I was wearing. You know what I mean? Like I think through food and so like all your happiest moments are around food. So when somebody like makes one of my recipes or something from the show or my books and then messages me or posts a picture, like it, that is like the best thing ever because one, they enjoyed a meal and they loved it that I created and I hopefully helped create happy memories with them. And mm -hmm. that is sincerely like the best thing ever. Oh, I know. Like all I've, I'll send you a picture and just yeah, all you do a be, lot. It all it'll be is just like a picture of the meat in the wrapper on the recipe, and uh -huh. you just you, you get giddy like you are right now. I love it. No, I love it's, it. it's, it's awesome. So awesome. It's awesome. And there's been some kick-ass killer recipes come out of there, and I'm so look forward to going through it more. <laughs> we we work our way through probably a recipe once good, every you know, week like or so. Really Oh, good, good, because I work really hard on those. Like, I'm like, do I want one tablespoon of garlic or do I want two? Or do I? So, <laughs> and it was or... hard to transition from grams to tablespoons for like yes. a regular, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Bree, I, I have a request for you. So, of course, we're the Wild Sheep Society BC. So we need some good sheep recipes. Um, okay. And actually, I've got some uh, wild sheep here, and I'm actually going on a hunting trip this weekend. And uh, so I need a marinade. I need something to do with this meat. So can you can you send me something that I can do with this meat for? And and I'll document it, and I'll I'll take some pictures for you, and I'll and I'll give you some feedback. And I got a bunch of buddies coming, so it's going to be a bunch of us. So no pressure. I have a ton of marinades in my cookbook. Okay, so yeah, I'm have to get Steve send me a picture. If you got something handy, send it to me, and then oh, we'll yeah, share we'll it in the show it. notes too. Oh, absolutely, we will. Yeah. We okay. Yeah, cool. I, I can I can help you. I can help you with that. No problem. Perfect. <laughs> Thank and, you. And if you, and if you want to make a wicked croissant or something, she's a pastry chef as well, right? I can. Oh my god, I love making croissants. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do, right? I <laughs> do. Just how it goes. Yeah, so, I do miss having a sheeter though. Like it makes life easier. But a what? Um, a sheeter <laughs> when you run a full scale, um, like Venusuari, which is like. Um, laminated doughs, which is a croissant. It's like oh, okay. um, a roll. It rolls the dough, so the the croissants get folded, the butter over and over again. Then you flatten gotcha. it out, and then you fold it and flatten it okay. out. And, yeah. Okay. But you have yeah. to do it with a rolling pin at home. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just go to like those Pillsburys and pop them. <laughs> <in the can. laughs> get scared when it opens. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, just ready. ready like a jack in a box. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They, they work right. But yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a pastry chef by any stretch. My wife is the baker <laughs> in the family. I'm the cook. So you mentioned a couple of books. Mm -hmm. You want to chat about those a little I bit? Have like, two. I know. So you the, the first no, one maybe. I got, the first one I got, I was like, oh my God, this is mind blowing. And then what, six weeks later, I'm like, holy crap, there's another one. I need this one yep. too. Like, 
So yeah, they're just they're they're unreal and they specialize in wild game and there's everything in there. And what I really, really like is as you know, bear's contentious. And you've mm -hmm. got a section in there dedicated bear. to bear. And that yep. just for, for those that are scared of bear for whatever reason they'd say it doesn't taste good or whatever, there's there's some amazing recipes in there. So you, you mentioned that people thought you were high when you wrote these books, but <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we know that's not the case. Like what was your inspiration for writing? The the, what was, what was the inspiration for writing the books and like how long is the process and what does that process look like? Oh God. Um, the inspiration for writing the books I would have to say is there's, I think wild game just is underrated by a lot of people and either one, they're just afraid of the stigma because you hunted it and it was an animal, which people don't, I think society has characterized animals to a point where like, you can't hunt a bear. It's too cute. It's like, honey, he's not Winnie the Pooh. Like <laughs> pretty sure he's going to win the battle when it comes to you and him. Um, uh, so I wanted to, and a lot of people think like wild game is gamey and when treated right, it's not, and it's mm -hmm. beautiful and it's pure organic protein. And so that's like why I wanted to write a cookbook was to show wild game in light that really hasn't been seen but in a creative, almost every day, like recipes you could make every single day um, with it as well. And then a lot of my recipe inspiration truly comes from like tra traveling, which is funny because um, I travel a lot. I believe as a chef, that is the number one thing you can do to learn really any, anybody in life. I mean, you just learn so much when you're traveling, but I, I travel and eat my heart out because I will remember how, you know, how it was cooked and the flavors and how it tasted. And honestly, you'll see in my cookbook, there's like, I have Indian, I have Asian and Mexican and, you know, my mom is Mexican, my dad is Irish, so I have that heritage. But then I, you know, my daughter's Korean, so we cook a lot of Korean. And so it's it's truly like a world, that's how I, my visions for recipes come up, or it's usually from something I had while traveling. And the cookbook process, oh. <laughs> um, as a, it was more writing, typing, like, oh my God, my hands hurt. Um, and then it was just, a tablespoon of this or will they how will it transfer it, it was a little bit difficult for me to transfer over my kitchen thinking to mm -hmm. a home cook but thankfully I had like three editors to help put my voice into a home cook um thinking because a lot of things just are um, come intuitively to me that I had to learn don't come normal to a home cook so that was very interesting i learned a ton i'm so thankful for every person who was involved you wouldn't believe how many people are involved in one cookbook and i have two and so i'm so thankful for my team it was without them it was it was a journey <laughs> it oh. took more than a year to write oh. two of them yeah yeah I, I can imagine like i like when i first got it i'm like oh my god flipping through like where do i start where do i start and one of the first ones I think I texted you was meatloaf. My kid is, you know, she's eight and she loves wild game, but meatloaf has never been something that's we've knocked out of the park here. And it was, it was just, 
incredible how she loved it and that's a that's a most requested oh can you do breeze meatloaf can you do breeze meatloaf oh, oh it's so meatloaf good is, it can be a tricky thing because like if you have really bad meatloaf in the beginning like you why would you like it but then like when you have it really well done it's fantastic yeah absolutely it is and what yeah. i really like is the next day cold you cut it into slices and you fry it, it up for sandwich. a sandwich yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's, Hope it's you have just, Dukes on there. Oh, of course. I speaking of Dukes, I, I need to get a top up from you. Oh, okay. I gotcha. <laughs> we're, we're running out. I gotcha. So, of all these things you've cooked over your life, wild game, domestic, vegan, pescatarian, pastries, cakes, what's your absolute favorite to cook and why? No pressure. Um, if I'm in the kitchen and like, if I time is not of the essence and I can just kind of do my thing, which I love to do is rock out to music and cook in the kitchen. Um, I'm probably rolling handmade pasta and making a, like a ragu or something like a slow simmered sauce while I'm making pasta to me, making handmade pasta is just like my form of Zen and like yoga but then when you eat homemade pasta versus dried pasta yep. like it's just a world of difference and it's so amazing it's probably my f favorite thing i mean i i was ruined ever since like i've been all throughout italy and just got ruined so <laughs> yeah, I, there is something about fresh rolled pasta i've got oh, a little pasta maker here but i can never quite get that well on the counter with the flour and the egg and i can't quite uh -huh. get that so I've got a, a the, the pasta roller there that sits covered in dust. I don't use it. Oh, <laughs> so, you just yeah. gotta learn when to stop adding the flour into it. That's all. Yeah, it's it's too much. You like can make it very tough. Yeah, it's too much like baking for me. I'll eat the hell out <laughs> of it, but the, like I said, the wife is the baker, so uh -huh. it's 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So traveling, let's chat about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, how much traveling have you done to hunt? A lot. I've been well, to, I've been up to Canada a lot. I've been to, yeah, I've traveled, I've traveled out of the country a lot to hunt actually. What's been your favorite hunt and where? Ever? Yeah. I know it's a tough one for a lot of people. Um, well, hunting with my, hunt, hunting with Remy is probably my most favorite just because it's my dog. We try to, like, I worked with her training like i remember the first pheasant that we got at when she was like six months old i think we got it she got her first pheasant so she flushed it she pointed it flushed it i shot it and she came back and she retrieved it and i was so proud of her because we worked so hard and then i took it to taxidermist and he's like are you sure you want this one done <laughs> his tail is a little mangled and he's not the prettiest one, but I was like, yes, this is the one. Like, this is our first one. So, like, that's always fun, even though I won't let anybody hunt over my dog ever, except for me, because I just don't trust him. And if, if somebody, if something happened to my dog, I wouldn't be happy for them. It wouldn't be end well for them. Um, so that is probably my favorite thing. But that's local. That's what we do here. My favorite... My bear in BC was pretty freaking awesome. But you're gonna top that one, so. No pressure, hey. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> if if this if this COVID crap ever goes away, yeah, right? yeah, we got to get a, you got to get you up here. Trudeau kind of has to get that. <laughs> Let me <laughs> in. <laughs> hey, like I said, that door is always open for you to come up here and bear hunt with me. That's gonna be one yeah. of a good time. I will Where bring Dukes and and Oreos. It's good. 
I'm sold. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> we know that's how we roll, right? Hot yep. sauce, hot sauce, and Dukes, and oh, we'll all just survive stuff. off of meatloaf sandwiches and Oreos for the whole night. <laughs> It'll be fine. And how many times do you figure we're going to be rolling down the road, screaming, hold on, like Wilson Phillips at the top of our lungs, and like? Oh, I'm. That's you're in for it because that's. Just oh me. yeah. Oh yeah. And bear, bear camp. Whenever we're cooking meatloaf, you know there's going to be just random. Mom, the meatloaf. Scream. Ma, no reason. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Does, if that scene doesn't come to your head when you say meatloaf, automatically, exactly. like exactly. then we cannot be friends because. Uh, I, that's hello. why I had to get. That's why I had to get it out. I'm like, I know we were both thinking it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so so you, you've hunted Barry. I was like, pheasants. oh my God, I can't take this. What are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've hunted bear. You've hunted pheasants. I've seen pictures of you with Gemsbuck. Mm -hmm. you, you've crossed off some pretty kick-ass hunts. What have, yeah. what have you not hunted that is on your bucket list? <gasps> where? Um, I would like to get, well, I got a red stag on season two, but I would like to get a red stag in, um, Scotland. Um, just because I think that's, that's on my list. I'd like to go bird hunting in Argentina because yeah. that's supposed to be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and what else? Cost is no option. Oh, well, it co if cost is no option. So it'd yeah. be like my red stag in Scotland and I really would love to get, um, a buff in South Africa, a, a Cape Buffalo. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you know, I uh, I was supposed to be in South Africa this past September on mm -hmm. a safari, but well, COVID closed. Were you supposed to? Were you getting a, a buffalo? That that was on the list. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I had a buff on the list, and I had gems buck, and blees buck, and a couple other things like that. I got it. Yeah, I got a. Um, I would like to go for a zebra kind of controversial but they taste really good that's what i've heard I, yeah they're it's actually really good meat so i would have no problem um that's... but in africa i did manage to when i went to namibia and so i got a spring buck an oryx um I, I can't remember but the cool thing was i donated all the meat to an orphanage which was that's really awesome. touchy to my heart because my daughter's adopted so obviously right. that was huge for me so i cannot wait for her to want to go do that and mm -hmm. hopefully hunt and then give back to an orphanage just because I think that would just be such an amazing learning experience for her. Oh, I bet. What, what's she like with game meat? Loves it. Loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She's like totally desensitized of like anything. Cause I was from season two, I brought in like coolers and coolers of food or like animals. And she's just like, okay, no problem. And I'm like breaking them down to go in the freezer. And she's like, no problem. Oh, she loves venison. Absolutely loves yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Same as my daughter. She's grown up on it, obviously. And she's going to be nine this September. And we were out at a friend's place last night and I brought my pellet gun. And she's like, oh, I want to shoot it. I want to shoot it. So we're planking cans. And uh, God, what would have been her fourth birthday? She, mm -hmm. I, I said, well, what do you want to do for your birthday? Mom was at work and it was just her and I, and I said, we can do anything. So she goes, I want to go hunting. I want to go trapping. I want to go fishing and I want to go shooting. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I want, then I want to have bear for supper. So yeah, she's, she's grown up around it and she's very well versed and she knows that's where her awesome. food comes from. And that's so important in this day and age, right? It is. Too many people think that their food comes from the, you a know, box, a, a box or a plastic wrap wrapped right? up. Exactly. And they have no real connection of uh, 
of the, the life cycle, right? And as I always say, in order for us to live, something has to die. And that's that connection that we, we try and bridge as uh, hunters. And, or what food should actually taste like. Exactly. And then for one, how hard food actually is to get. Exactly. So when you have to do it all by yourself and it's not farm raised, you know? Exactly. I totally, totally get that. And I saw her, your, your daughter the other day, eating hot sauce. What's the scale of that hot sauce? I just totally random off the script here. You said that she's eating something that was like taco and you're like, oh my God. Oh, she was eating birria tacos that I did a recipe for Hogan Barrel and I was cooking. And so beer, I probably used like six chilies and two chipotles in there. And I mean, she, it was spicy. She, it was, she was powering she was chowing it down. down. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, homegirl has a, has a freaking awesome palate, but I've ruined her because boyfriend. She can out eat Nancy sheet any day of the week, and she can wrap up a pretty hefty bill. <laughs> well, I, I can I can imagine it's, it's hard to not to power down the sushi, right? Uh huh. <laughs> so seventy five thousand followers, blog, couple of TV shows, couple of books. Do you consider yourself an influencer? God, that's a it's like a that's a hard question. I don't. I'm prop. I'm probably one of the most humblest people you meet i don't oh, think totally i don't necessarily <laughs> think that i'm an influencer as opposed to like oh my god buy my teeth brightener i usually i will not back a product unless i truly love it um and if i'm influencing others to even eat right to look at their ingredients more to think of hunting in a different light to go out and hunting then yeah, I would love to be considered an influencer because that's the type of influence I would like to have. I don't, I don't want to have the. What do I get emailed? Oh my god, I get get. They want to know like, I think I'll post like a hunting photo, and I'll have like my rifle, and the women will message me like, "What mascara are you wearing?" I'm like, "I am <laughs> holding a Kimber 308, and I just took down this big animal, and you want to know what mascara I'm wearing." <laughs> Wow. Oh. Okay. So uh, that's funny. So I, I do imagine is what well, we'll, we'll call you a public figure. That, that okay. What, you I, whichever. I, yeah. I, as long I as imagine. it's an influencer that is actually like, I would like to do good in this world and not just be so materialistic that it's just yeah selling you, stuff that people right. don't need. Yeah. You're, you're back in a product that you truly believe in. So yeah. Being a public figure then you, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta have some funny stories about fans. And I know you. Oh, do. I know you. Yeah. Because I got a video. <laughs> oh my yeah, that guy. Oh, people. Yeah, people have found my cell phone, and now they're finding my address and sending me pictures of myself, uh, and then asking with a self-addressed envelope, self asking me to sign uh, sign my photos of myself <laughs> that I did not print and, out, and then oh, send yeah. it back. It was is really strange. Uh, I had to like put my cell phone under a different name because people would find it out. Lord knows. I don't even know how they found my home address, but they did, which is a little scary. And then I was at the airport in Florida and some guy knew who I was. That was, that's weird <laughs> to me. It's weird. We're <laughs> at the baggage claim and it, it, was, it was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's that, really, that... I don't know. It's weird. That video you sent, you're like, you gotta see this. It's narrated. <laughs> Here's my address. I have no idea who this guy is. I know. I have no idea. Here's a letter, self-addressed stamped envelope, and 
I'm like, okay, pictures. Oh, okay, they're of her. I totally thought it was going another direction. No, I would never have said... showed you those photos. Oh, God, do oh, I get those boy. photos? That's disgusting, those oh, photos. Oh, boy. So for I all the need... men out there, please don't send me those. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> where, 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 do you even, where do you even go from there? Like, wow. You got to have some yeah. good stories, though, right? Some good connections that you've made over the years. I do. I've met a lot of good people. I've met a lot of people I will don't want to be associated with. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think now I'm, I'm a little bit pickier and now I know, I think once you enter a new industry, um, coming from the culinary world into the hunting world, it was all new to me. Like, mm -hmm. and when you meet people, you're like, okay, you're not quite as you seem, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. I did some personal security and some bodyguarding years ago for celebrities, and the, the things I've always said is they either are way taller, way shorter, way nicer, or way more of an asshole than you ever yeah. figured that. You I'm see way shorter. Yeah, me too. Everybody, yeah, everybody goes, "Oh my god, you're so little." Yeah, me too. I get that all the time. I was like, did you think I was going to be like 300 pounds? Like, I don't, I don't know what you expected, but. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, like I said, there's some celebrities out there that I've dealt with that are just, you're like, are you kidding me? One of them, uh, he, he, he played a boxer that rhymes with Rocky. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he's about 5'3". He's just a little dude. He's got a rider that I've seen. Hey, he's he's only uh, one inch taller than me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> same height as my wife. So he's he's got a rider that says he has to be one of the tallest people in the scene. So it's he, he's got a box oh. that he has to stand on. So it's all forced perspective. And I remember hearing on the radio one time, he went up one side and down the other side of a a production assistant, a PA just it was nuts he told the kid to go get him chicken so what would you come back with kfc popeyes churches kid comes yeah. back kid comes back with a bucket of kfc and he lost his mind did lost. he want a real chicken he wanted he wanted fresh chicken <laughs> lost his mind this kid like a real chicken or like he he, he wanted grilled chicken Oh, oh, well, you yeah. have to be specific then. But yeah, I would have exactly. been happy with the KFC. <laughs> you would have been happy with a box of Oreos, right? Yeah, I would have. Gluten-free. Gluten-free Gluten-free, I know. I have to be gluten-free now. It sucks, but... Oh, well, hey. So, okay. Totally went off on a tangent there. But yeah. That, anyway, that's just what... Back that's on what track. I, that's what you and I do. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> we, we know hunting and fishing and shooting and all the outdoor lifestyles under attack in in north america and the mm -hmm. world what do you see for the future of hunting in let's stick with let's stick with the, where you are in the states and like what challenges or barriers do you see that we're going to be facing well this this new administration specifically is is challenging it by taking away our gun rights so i mean you take away our gun rights and we can't go hunting mm -hmm. so i mean that is a that is a whole issue when you say what is the the constitution what did he say? The con okay, I won't get into it anyway. The Constitution is not like set in stone, basically. I can't remember his wor exact words. And so when you hear that, that's no bueno for anybody. But I think there are, I think, what is it? The U.S. is the largest armed, has the, the people, 
the amount of people who own guns and ammunition in the U.S. would be like the largest army in the world. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I think gun gun control is the biggest thing that's going to hunt uh, that hurt the hunting industry. Um, and, and the second I would say would be characterizing animals, like making them the mainstream media has a way of for example elephants love elephants they're beautiful Hmm. but they also have to be controlled in parts of africa like you can't like they're ruining villages and people's lives and if you don't keep i'm not saying you should go out and kill every single elephant but i think just because us in the u.s think elephants are these beautiful animals and we need to leave them alone that doesn't mean it's really working well for them. Like, well, look, we just, you gotta stay out of it. Let them handle the elephant population, you know? But it's just because we've put this characterization of they're so cute and friendly. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to hunt it? And then now with like impossible meat, meat things, I don't know, which is, I think is a whole funny. So, like, this, we're making these impossible meat burgers based out of plants. And then you look at the ingredients, and there's, like, chemicals and fillers and mm-hmm. binders. And, oh, and a couple plants thrown in there. So you mean to tell me that you want me to eat this bur- this patty that's made with 50 different chemicals and three plants and over my organic meat? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't – it doesn't our, – our food society is saying, oh, my God, no, you can't eat animals. You can't eat animals. They're so cute. And, but we were meant to eat animals. And then, but I mean, then our food system is totally out of whack. If you were, we're now we're getting into that rabbit hole. Whereas we're like, oh my God, they're like, oh my God, you can't, you can't raise beef because climate change. It's not cow farts that are causing climate change because anybody who says, oh, it's climate change. Well, how did the ice age happen? Mm-hmm. Because I'm pretty sure that was climate change. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a natural cycle we go through. Yeah, but so it's not the cow fart, but um, it is, we have to start doing it right. We're taking away like innocent farmers who were actually doing it right for big corporations, which is, I, I just keep going down this rabbit hole. And then it's, they don't want big corporations, but then they want big corporations because they want, they want their food. They want their McDonald's, which is bizarre to me. Yeah. So like if we just get back to raising farmed animals right instead of, in cages and in conditions that no animal should live. And that's a big reason why I turned to hunting is because I don't, I want to eat meat that I know that I took an animal myself and it wasn't living in its own poop. It had, it roamed free. It wasn't, didn't have abusive animal, human hate. Um, so I would much rather eat that meat than, than deal with a lot of that. I, I just, I don't eat, eat a lot of meat from the store. So yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. the same as us. It's a, you, you hear it, I, I don't remember who said it, but it was beautifully said where they said, uh, food doesn't have ingredients, it is an ingredient, right? Yeah. It's a, right. You, you, you don't need 15 different things that are all things you can't pronounce and they've got like die number three, like food doesn't have mm-hmm. numbers and, and crap like that. So we and then are... people don't even know what it's doing their bodies. Like they, exactly. they, they just like eat like, oh my God, I don't understand why I'm diabetic and I'm doing this. Well, one, you're goldfish, which like the coloring, your kid has ADD and like you're, you, but you're feeding him nothing but boxed crap. And it's, and I mean, it's just, I won't, I'll keep my mouth shut out of politics, but 
you think big pharma is really complaining that you know people are putting out food items that are making them sick and you don't think it's there you know it's a cycle people need to open their eyes then exactly right that's why i wanted you on here because i know you get spi- i know you get spicy i do i get really fired especially when it comes about food like i almost wanted to be a lawyer just because i would love to fight our food system and i've actually really looked into it like years and years ago um before before i got went to culinary school and stuff but it's when you look up who you're against mm-hmm. you're up against companies like monsanto so you will never have enough money to to oh, overdo God, no. that but we as consumers, if I can influence people to buy things from, from, from farmers who are doing it right, whether you're raising cat, oh, what did I get dinged for? Oh, the tilapia the other day. Oh, right. One. Yes. Yeah. So if I can get consumers to change by their dollars, then that has a big effect on on companies like Monsanto to change because when they start losing money, then they change. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So you are an influencer because you just said you wanted to influence people. I do. I know. Well, you know, at least I'm not influencing them to buy Louis Vuittons. I mean, you're influencing for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. My God, you should wear these shoes. They're amazing. Buy them or whatever. Yeah. Hashtag influencer life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to me. <laughs> so we're coming up on an hour and I don't want to take too much more of your time. No, that's fine. So how can people find your books? What are they called? Where do they get them? Um, the first, my first published book is the complete wild game cookbook. It is that in itself. It is every, almost every wild game possible. Um, except for Cougar. I fought for that one, but my editor didn't want that one. Um, and that is on Amazon, even in Canada and the U S and so and it should be wherever books are sold in canada as well and then the second one is the easy venison cookbook which is just as the title says it's 30 30 minutes or less six ingredients or less i make it really easy you can use i figure out how to do i mastered the instant pot for that cookbook so you can even do some a lot of the recipes in an instant pot if that's your jam um so it's just a way to show how you can intertwine venison in your everyday meals it's not a special occasion you don't have to like wait hours or and that is also on amazon in the u.s and canada and should be wherever books are sold in canada as well what about your show because i know the answer on that one season two is where um you have to stay tuned i have to say for our which network we're going to land on um so hopefully we have that soon um probably within a couple weeks i would imagine we will have our network nailed down um and season two is freaking awesome because you actually see me hunt you see me butcher Mm -hmm. and then you see me cook and i cook right there in hunt camp you see me get scared off my butt when i get my first alligator alligator. i wrestle a hog and i like throws me off and you see true fear in my face and I show it all. I am not, <laughs> I do not act like the professional, but I am the professional in the kitchen. And um, yeah, the alligator one was freaking amazing. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, I've, I've seen some behind the scenes pictures and video. Holy crap, that is a gator. <laughs> yeah, but the, the most interesting thing out of the whole season two was filming the alligator episode. It was awesome because that was my first alligator. 
I'm cooking now. The jowls, which is like the cheek of the alligator, oh. and they're as yeah. big as like turkey breasts, and so they're huge. Um, wow. So, but did you know that like alligators will twitch for days after they're dead, and so they can still oh. bite actually. Um, so I we took out the jowls, and I'm cooking yeah. it. And I go to slice it on camera. So if you say, stay tuned for the bloopers at the end, you'll see it. Um, and it was so hard for me to contain myself because I'm cutting into this alligator meat to like <laughs> cut it into pieces and it's twitching and moving uh. and you can see it. And so I just remember like, uh, I have like four cameras on me in the food scenes at one time. Right. And so I have one camera overhead and uh, I, it started twitching. And so you could see it in the back, like back of my hand was moving. And my cameraman goes behind the camera or from the camera and looks at me and his eyes got all big. I'm like, did you see that? He's like, oh, what? It was like the meat was moving. It oh. was the most bizarre thing. I've never had my food fight back. It's freaking <laughs> insane. But I powered through it. But wow. <laughs> it's worth watching the show just for that part. <laughs> wow, that that's a beautiful way to end this. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, Bree. I totally, really, really, completely appreciate your time that you took out of your day to do this for us. I know you're three hours ahead, so what's that? Eight o'clock there. Yep, you got to get your kid to bed. No doubt. Yep, last week of school for us uh, here, wow. for her. Not so. For me. <laughs> all right we will put your uh instagram all your handles all your fun stuff in the show notes so yeah i'm sorry um, kyle we overpowered you oh it's been great just listening yeah and it's good to uh, you know get to know you better because steve's always sending me stuff and and talking about what you're doing and and obviously i follow you too but uh no it's really fun to to hear from you brie really enjoy you coming on the show and really appreciate it and everything you do you know it's uh just such a great, uh, you do a great job of portraying, you know, the hunting community and then, you know, bringing that to the table. It's, it's uh, fantastic to see it. So thank you for everything that you do there. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Wilderness to Table. Check it out. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.